Merry Christmas. Hey, there you go. How many of you all were without power this morning and still made it? Just a few of you. Well, raise them high and be proud. Good job. Everybody might want to scoot over. Not sure how clean they are, but it's good to have them here. So it's great. There you go. It's good to have you all here. I, I, uh, it's funny that uh, the way I'm going to start the service today is what bothers you today? And uh, I don't know about you, but there are things that bother me. How about you? Anybody? Got anything that bothers you out there? My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, I shared with you last week, gave birth to my second grandchild, my first granddaughter last weekend, and, and uh, she has been craving cheeseburgers as she, through this pregnancy. She's a person who eats very healthy and hardly ever eats cheeseburgers, and so this past week after she had the baby, she decided she wanted one more cheeseburger. And my wife had taken a couple of days off to spend with her and with the new baby. And she went to McDonald's and she went through and she got a cheeseburger. And she took it to her house and she unwrapped it and she sat down. She's going to have this kind of last indulgence, if you would. And she bit into the cheeseburger and it didn't taste quite right. And so she opened it up and there was no burger in the cheeseburger. (laughs) It was just a piece of cheese on a bun. That was all there was. And what she said on Facebook was that this bothered her tremendously. And she got a a response to that from another person in town who got an egg McMuffin that morning who had taken a picture, and it was a muffin with a piece of cheese and no egg on it. So they were bothered as well. And I got thinking about that day. I got thinking about all the things that bother us. My three-year-old grandson says to me often, Papa, I don't like that. And what he means is you're bothering me when you do that. When you tickle my foot or, or you say something I don't like, you're, you're bothering me. And if you think about that word uh, to be bothered, it's that kind of inner stirring in us. And it just does something to us on the inside. It just aggravates us. How many of you all have been aggravated within the last 24 hours? Raise your hand. Raise, look at this. Isn't it incredible? Been bothered by something, aggravated by something. A lot of us live our entire lives bothered and aggravated. You know people who are bothered and aggravated all the time, don't you? Well, what we need to understand is that God brings us a peace that is supposed to calm down those inner stirrings. A peace that, when we know Him, allows us not to be so bothered by, not to be so aggravated by, not to be so collared by or affected by those circumstances around us so that when we get a cheeseburger with no burger or we get an egg McMuffin with no egg or we have that person that just grates on us like fingernails on a chalkboard, we can go to our Lord and Savior, we can say what? I know the peace that passes all understanding. And no matter what's going on in my life, it can be much, much more serious than a a burgerless or or an eggless uh, piece of bread. But no matter what's going on in my life, I can know the peace that passes all understanding. My guess is some of you in here today need to know that. My guess is some of you are here today and as we're going through this celebration of Advent and this celebration of Christmas, you're here today and you are so bothered by something that you can't rest. You're so aggravated by something that your family has not experienced the joy of your relationship for years. You're so internally messed up by something going on in your life that that you have missed the joy of your salvation for years and years and years. And what I want to say to you today is today, before you leave, my prayer is that you experience the peace that Christ offers us through him.
Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come before you today. Every one of us knows what it's like to lack that peace in our lives. Even those of us who know you as Lord and Savior, Father, we, we know what it's like to let things bother us so much that we give up that peace. We know what it's like to allow the circumstances of our life to affect us so much that we take for granted that we have you in our lives, that we have this presence that we can tap into at any time and, and experience peace that passes all understanding. It's such a great scripture to hear. It, it's so awesome to hear so many scriptures read this morning already about that peace. But Lord, we really need to learn how to trust you and experience it. For the people here who lack that peace today, for every one of us, Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here this morning not just knowing about it, but having experienced it, and it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. We've been in this series, Christmas, it's all about the presence, and, and what I hope you've picked up so far in these Advent themes is that these are things that, because we have the presence of Christ in our lives, we have available to us. We have the joy of Christ available to us. We have the love of Christ available to us. We have the hope of Christ available to us. And we also have now the peace of Christ available to us as well. And what I hope you, that you've picked up on more than that or, or as much as that is this, and is that those things are not dependent upon our circumstances. That they are there in the midst of our circumstances. To, to make the very best out of the life that we have and to be able to go through every day in such a way that not only honors and glorifies our Lord and Savior, but makes a difference to those around us and allows us to experience those things, that peace, that hope, that joy, and that love. I want to read you just a little um, piece out of a, uh, a book called Laughing Matters, and it says this. It says, once upon a time there was a little boy named Sparky. At least that's what his classmates called him. He was given the nickname in honor of a comic strip horse named Sparkplug. Sparky hated the name, but name calling was the least of his worries. School was tough for him. His favorite subjects were recess and lunch. He failed every single subject in eighth grade. High school was no better. He flunked algebra, English, Latin, and physics. In fact, to this day, he holds the record for the lowest physics grade in his school. Sports weren't much of an improvement. He made the school's golf team, but his poor play ended up costing them a major tournament. Sparky was a loser when it came to friendships, too. No one seemed to notice him. He was astonished, even if a classmate said hello. Afraid of rejection, he never asked a girl out. Instead, he devoted himself to the one thing he really enjoyed, and that was drawing cartoons. No one thought they were any good, but that didn't stop him. He practiced on binders and scribblers, and by the time he was a senior in high school, he got up the nerve to submit some cartoons to the yearbook staff. They were soundly rejected. After graduating from high school, he wrote a letter to Walt Disney Studios inquiring about job opportunities. He received a form letter requesting samples of his artwork. The letter asked him to draw a funny cartoon of a man repairing a clock by shoveling the springs and gears back inside it. He drew the cartoon, mailed it off with his fingers crossed. He waited anxiously for a reply. Finally, it came, and it was another form letter spelling out yet again another rejection. He was disappointed, but not surprised. He had always been a loser. This was just one more loss. Looking in the mirror one day, he smiled with the realization that in a weird sort of way, his life was funny. Almost like a cartoon character. 
Then a thought hit him. Why not tell his own story? Why not draw cartoons of the misadventure of of a little boy who was always rejected, a, a chronic underachiever, if you will. He had no idea where his idea would take him. The boy who failed the eighth grade, the artist whose work was rejected by his own yearbook, was Charles Sparky Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, and the little quote-unquote loser boy whose kite never quite flies, you know him as Charlie Brown. Uh, Here's the, the thing that I want you to understand from that illustration, and that is that so many of us try so hard to change our circumstances. If we're not good at sports, we try to be a sports superstar. If we're not good at physics, we try to become a, 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 a better person at physics, whatever that is, right? And sometimes we just need to relax in who we really are. Now, I'm not saying we don't have ambitions to be a better athlete, ambitions to be a better student, but what I am saying is sometimes we need to accept that God has put us on a certain course in life, accept that God has gifted us in certain ways in life, And make the very best of that by being who he wants us to be, regardless of the circumstances. Here's the thing. My whole life, I wanted to be able to sing. When I was in sixth grade, I sang a duet in front of my my elementary school. It was like the crowning achievement of my young years, right? But I stink at singing. I can't sing at all. But I always wanted to. Now, I could have worked my whole life and tried my best. I could have went to the best music teachers in the world. I could have done everything I could to be a better singer. But the fact is, God did not give me the voice to be a great singer. He called me to preach. He called me to do some other things. And and you have been called to do some things. You have some very special gifts in your life. It's not about all the circumstances around you. It's about how you take every day God has given you and you seize that day by trusting him, by following him, by obeying him, and by serving him in that day. Christmas is all about the presence of hope, of joy, of love, and now of peace. But those four things lived out where you are in the circumstances that you find yourself. And the interesting thing about peace is that it just goes hand in hand with those other gifts. I don't know, what's the big game system craze this Christmas? I'm, I'm out of touch. What is it? Someone tell me. Is it a game? What is it? Huh? Say it out loud. Come on, you younger folks. I see some of you whispering it. Say it out loud. Y'all are shy. Huh? Xbox or game, what, what are the others? Huh? Xbox One S. The Xbox One S <laughs> is what you want this Christmas, right? And, and, and the thing is, you all have done this, right, with your kids. You buy them something like the Xbox One S. And then you buy them games that only play on the Xbox One S. And you make a mistake and let them open that first, right? And when they open that up, there's no mystery left in what their big gift is. Because if you get an Xbox One S game, you know you're probably, more than likely, unless you're a really cruel parent, going to get an (laughs) Xbox One S, right? And it's kind of the way it is with these gifts at Advent. The presence of hope, the presence of love, and the presence of joy that come from Christ, if you have those three, you will have peace. It's just that simple. 
If you have the presence of Christ in your life, you're experiencing that joy, you're experiencing that love, you're not taking that hope for granted, you will have peace in your life. Look again at the scripture that's been read many times over the last few weeks in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. That proclamation of the great company of the heavenly host. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, what exactly is this peace? Well, uh, Greg has shared it just marvelously when he did the Advent candle. This peace really, at the very core, is our peace with God first and foremost. It is that we can have this inner peace that these circumstances of our life do not, does not take away, does not uh, affect, if you will. This peace that affects those circumstances, rather. But we can only have that peace in here if we first have this peace in our relationship with God. Now, now people all over the world are searching for peace. But they're searching for peace in the more traditional sense. They're searching for peace in their relationships. They're searching for peace amongst nations, a, a lack of war, a lack of fighting. And, and obviously that's a great thing for us to be searching for, to be working toward. But there is another peace that is the very bedrock and the fundamental basis of that kind of peace. And this is the peace that is offered to us at Christmas. This is the peace that is offered to us if we live in the way that God intends us to live and in the relationship that he intends us to live. <clears throat> that shooting, that um, shootings that have become so prevalent in our society today in America. We see it as a political issue. It's on the news all the time. Every time somebody goes and they take the lives of innocent people, we, we hear the politicians talk about gun violence, and we hear everybody talk about how we're going to stop this. But what we all know, I believe we all are smart enough to know this, is that the individual that does that has something that is not peace in their heart. They're stirred up. They're anxious, they're aggravated, they're frustrated, they're bothered to the 10th degree, if you will, on the inside. And so peace with their neighbor, peace with their fellow man and woman, peace nation amongst nation is impossible unless we deal with a lack of peace that exists on the inside of our lives, on the inside of our hearts. The amount at which we are at peace with ourselves is directly related to our peace with others and eventually our peace nation to nation. And so I go back to the question I asked you before, what has you disturbed today? What has you anxious? Maybe you don't even know what it is. Maybe you've just been angry for so long that you don't even remember what caused you to be angry in the first place. Maybe you're just scared to death of, of an illness that, that has racked your body. Maybe you're scared of, of the unknown of the future. Maybe you're just tired and you just need a rest. You can resonate with Whittier's words, drop thy still dew of quietness till all our striving cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. You can have peace, but it comes from only one place. It starts in a reconciled relationship between you and God. In John 14, 27, which we've seen today as well already, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be 
afraid. If you want to know that peace today, it begins by surrendering to Christ. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, it is a step in your life that you need to take that will not guarantee you a better car. It will not guarantee you a, a, a bigger house. It will not guarantee you more money in your bank account. It will not guarantee you that your life is full of, uh, of just roses and unicorns and rainbows. But it will guarantee you that no matter how bad it gets, the God who loves you, who died for you, who was resurrected for you, will give you his peace in the midst of it. We'll give you his hope in the midst of it. We'll give you his love in the midst of it. We'll even give you his joy in the midst of it. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul's talking to the Philippians who are suffering and, and enduring suffering in many, many ways, specifically for the gospel. And he says this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be, what? Anxious about anything. You see that as that opposite of peace? Don't be stirred up about anything. Don't be bothered by anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peace is dependent upon our surrender to Christ. It's dependent upon our faith in Christ, it's dependent upon our trust in Christ. My son-in-law, who is the father of my two grandchildren, he is a great guy. And we get along very well, but he is a little bit more reckless in some of the things that he does than I am at 50 years old. And he'll take my little grandson, and even when he was one and a half and two years old, and and he'll throw him clear up in the air, and he'll catch him. And I'm like, you know, I'll probably never get to see him again if I say what I'm thinking now, so just be quiet, you know, and turn around and, and go the other way, and he'll throw him up. But you know what my grandson does? Do it again, Daddy. Throw me higher, Daddy, right? You know why? Because he has absolute, complete trust, a lot more than his grandpa does in his dad, that he's not going to drop him. Absolute, complete trust that nothing bad's going to happen because he's in the hands of his dad who loves him and cares for him and would never let anything happen to him. Let me tell you something. That marriage that you're in the midst of that's been rocky for years, that illness that you've got that has taken away so much of your joy, and you, it's another thing you think about all day long, all that other financial junk you got going on in your life, whatever it is, that has robbed you of this peace, all of that that's going on, you can have peace in the midst of it because you can trust the Father to never drop you no matter how bad it looks. You can trust Him to never let you down, to never leave you, to never forsake you. No matter how bad your circumstances get, you can trust Him. And that's what brings us this peace. Unfortunately, many of us who have even received him as Lord and Savior, who have access to this peace, we find ourselves sliding back into this other junk because surrender is something that we have to do with every situation. It's something that we have to do every day. It's something we have to do over and over and over and over again. Lord, I surrender this marriage to you. Lord, I surrender these finances to you. Lord, I surrender this depression to you. Lord, I surrender this illness to you. Lord, I surrender over and over and over and over again. You take it. 
I just want your peace. And when we do that, and when we trust him that first time, and we trust him with that situation over and over and over again, that's when we begin to experience the peace. The peace that is not dependent upon our circumstances. Because, folks, here's the thing. No matter what some of the big smile preachers on TV tell you, God will not always remove your circumstances. God will not always take away your sorrow. He will not always protect you from things that are really, really bad in this fallen, sinful world that you and I live in. But what he promises us is he will never leave us alone without all those things he offers us. He will never leave us without his presence in the midst of it. I don't know about you, but that's good enough for me. It's good enough for me because I know that he loves me enough to go through that valley with me. I don't want to be there when I'm there. You know, I haven't been through half the things that you all have been through. But I know the times I've been in those valleys in my own life. I didn't want to be there. And I prayed diligently, God, take me out of this. Sometimes he does. But sometimes he doesn't. There's a story of a king who, who wanted a, a picture to hang in his castle that depicted real peace. And so he commissioned people all across the kingdom to, to bring him artwork that would kind of depict this whole idea of peace. And people brought him the most tranquil settings of, of beautiful sunlight shining on meadows and fields and, and creeks running over rocks and, and animals sleeping in the pastures and those sorts of images that many of us conjure up when we think about peace. And, and this one artist brought him a picture of a, of a violent storm. And in the midst of this violent storm, there is this cliff. And in this cliff, there is one little branch sticking off of this small, scrubby tree anchored in the rocks. And right in the little V of the branch in the tree, there is a little bird who's huddled up. And he's riding out the storm, kind of being protected, if you will, by this wee little piece of this tree. And the king says, that's real peace. That's real peace. And that really is real peace for all of us. God may not change your circumstances, but he certainly will be with you. Peace is not the absence of trouble, J. Oswald Sanders, Sanders said, but it is the presence of God. It is not the absence of trouble, but it is the presence of God. Do you know that peace? And, and I want to finish by just saying this. Our outlook and our actions bring peace in certain ways. Now, what I'm not saying here is that is that we somehow manufacture this God-given peace by the way we act or by the way we think. I'm not talking about, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not going to talk about anything maybe. <coughs> I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking here or that kind of stuff. But what I'm talking about is this. We, we do have a choice in the way we live that helps us experience this peace more or helps us experience it less in our outlook and our actions every day. Because if we really have this grace of God in our life and we know him as Lord and Savior and we have his presence in us in, in the form of the Holy Spirit and we have access to this hope and access to this love and access to this joy and now access to this peace, to live in that peace every day, we need to be living the way God wants us to live. Because the fact is, if we as followers of Christ are out there where he doesn't want us to be, we are bringing upon ourselves some of the worst unrest in our lives. We, 
don't know peace. And so we say to people, yeah, I know Jesus, but I don't know peace that passes understanding. I don't get that. I don't know the joy my salvation. I don't understand that. I don't really know that hope. I, I don't really, that really doesn't compute for me. <clears throat> the proclamation that the angels give is pretty interesting, isn't it? Let there be what? Peace on earth and, and, and kind of loosely translated upon whom God's favor rests. In other words, here's my interpretation of that. I think it's backed up by some pretty smart people who are smarter than me. It is his peace rests upon those who know him and walk with him and serve him and follow him. That's where his peace is experienced. Do you know his peace? John 16, 33, again. I have told you these things, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Christmas is such a hectic time. You've got a week ahead of you that if it's like my week, you're probably already going, man, you know, it's going to be good when Christmas is over. I got so much stuff going on, so much baking to do, so many presents to buy. Haven't wrapped anything yet. That was my, my wife. Our quiet time this morning was when I was about at Pennsboro, and she called on the phone. And I said, what are you going to do today? I'm going to go to church. I'm going to play with the granddaughter. I'm going to wrap presents. I haven't wrapped one gift yet this year. You got company coming, some of you maybe. You got, you're going somewhere, some of you. Just the, the busyness of the week and the season can you believe that I stood here, it's been four weeks ago, when I said, don't get mad, is it too early for me to say Merry Christmas? Remember that? Seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Now Christmas is one week away. In the midst of all this hustle and bustle, do you know the peace of the presence of Christ? In the midst of the hustle and bustle of life, do you know the peace of the presence of Christ? Pray with me.